Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and my special guest today is Michelle Ayanu. She's a freelance writer for Metsmerized and is full-time in the marketing world, which I think is really cool. So we get to talk about the Mets, of course. We get to talk about baseball, my favorite. We also get to talk about Michelle, which was pretty cool too, and how she's been able to turn into a freelance uh, writer, what she's been able to do, how she's been credentialed at some of the games for the Mets, which I think is incredible. And it's just so much fun. Learn a little bit about the freelance space, how she kind of got into it, and how, you know, maybe what she's going to do, take it to the top one of these days. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Michelle Ayanu. Today, my special guest, Michelle Ayanu, she's a freelance writer for Mets Mesmerize and is also uh, has a full-time job in corporate America doing some marketing. Michelle, thanks for hanging out with me today. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is all mine. We're both Mets fans. That's really what brought me to, uh, that's what brought us together, whether you know it or not. So I always <laughs> do appreciate, you're already one of my good friends because I don't know that many Mets fans. So maybe that's my fault. But the first question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? How can you not love sports? It's something that I never really understood. Um, I think it all stems back to the fact that I was born to two diehard Mets fans. And when I say diehard, I mean, both my mother and my father would cut high school classes to go with their free cans of Pepsi to get into the stadium for free um, on weekdays in Shea. Um, so it was basically by birth that I had to love sports and love the Mets. That is fantastic. Wow, that's a great story. Shout out to your parents. That is yeah. that is so <laughs> awesome. And, and I mean, so I'm a big Mets fan too. Maybe not cut class and find Pepsi cans, uh, kind of <laughs> big Mets fan, but understanding, you know, kind of what us as Mets fans go through on a, a daily, weekly, yearly basis and just kind of always seeing what's the wrong thing to do. Okay, the Mets probably did it. Uh, how did they screw up today? What does it mean to you to like, you know, you love sports so much and still your team just kind of, they just do this to you all the time, but you still love it. Why do we do this to ourselves? Well, being a Mets fan is not for the faint of heart. So kudos to all the Mets fans out there because it's not easy, especially if you live in New York surrounded by Yankees fans. I went to college in the Bronx. I went to Fordham University. I lived on campus there for four years. Um, my first year there was the 2009 World Series, uh. also known as a Mets fans nightmare. And when your friend group is primarily Yankees fans and there's maybe two Mets fans in the friend group. It, it was it was harsh. It was rough. Um, why do we do it to ourselves? Are we all just suckers? I don't know. Are we all just masochists? Maybe. Um, but it's just one of those things where you just fall in love with this team, whether it's from birth, whether it's because of your family, whether it's because Yankees fans have annoyed you, whether you just want the underdog to win. You just fall in love with this this team and you can't can't get out of it once you're in. 
believe me i want to every day but i don't and i love it and it's yeah masochist maybe i think that's it just it's it's something but no i mean 2009 honestly i tried to watch so little of that world series being just a mm-hmm. rig, just being a baseball fan of course like i love the playoffs and world series and i'll watch you know the reds play the white Sox and weird ass yeah. games like that but man i hated that world series so much yeah that was the worst Mm-hmm. I was only, what was it? It was obviously October, November, and I had just started at Fordham, literally freshman year, um, late August, early September. So I was only there for a couple of months. And I called my parents and I said, I'm coming home and commuting this week. And they were like, no, no, you're not. And I was like, no, but I, I need to. <laughs> I need to get out. I need to get, I need out, to get out of here. <laughs> That's too funny. Oh, I love it. So um, as I said, your, your full-time gig is you actually do marketing in, you know, as you called it, corporate America. Um, and yes. I know that you kind of Social media was like a huge uh, platform for you to utilize Twitter specifically into mm-hmm. getting, you know, this, free, you know, starting to work in freelance writing a little bit for some of these um, sports opportunities. What was it about social media and marketing that you really liked to make that kind of your career path? It's a great question. So um, when I was at Fordham, I was one of those undergrads who wanted to save the world and go into the nonprofit industry and just change everything. Um, And I knew I wanted to do that. So I fell into the world of communications and then going to college in the years of 2009 to 2013, that was kind of the rise of social media. I mean, Facebook had been around, Twitter was just gaining popularity. Instagram was a new thing. Um, So going into school then and kind of evolving with social media kind of made it easy for me to get acquainted with it and to utilize it and to take it into my career. I ended up graduating Fordham, working in the nonprofit world for five years. Um, I tried to save the world. I did not fully. And then I took the turn to corporate America. But that's a whole other story for maybe another podcast. Yeah. But I think that... Got to do what you got to pay your bills. I'm not exactly. here to judge. I'm not here to judge. Exactly. Once you get that mortgage, you realize, <laughs> you realize you need to pay the bills. Um, but I think the big thing is that I just evolved with social media. I remember hearing about Twitter when I was like a sophomore and being like, what is this? I don't understand why you only have certain characters and I can't post the novels I used to post on Facebook when I was a teenager. Um, And then I got into it and I saw how easy it is to connect with people and just kind of fell into it. Mm -hmm. And and kudos to you. At least you worked five years in a nonprofit, in the nonprofit world, trying to save, (laughs) save some people. I didn't put any time or energy into it. So a lot more (laughs) than me in saving the world. And we appreciate you there, Michelle. So being able to connect with people, I mean, the internet, and you're totally right. Like 2009, we can go back. ESPN does the article and some of these places do the article and they're like, all right, what was Steph Curry's first tweet? And it was like, hey guys, about to get some Chinese food. And it's like, okay, yeah. cool. All right, sounds good. This is what Twitter used to be. And now we obviously mm-hmm. know what it's kind of evolved into. It's almost like version 3.0 of, uh, of the internet. And, you know, so utilizing these platforms, you know, back then starting to gain a following. And as you said, start connecting with people on real levels. This was really unheard of, especially, mm-hmm. I mean, now it's obviously second nature, but how did you did you see this was as an opportunity of, okay, this is something that I can utilize, not just for fun or just to talk to my friends, but I can utilize in this, in a business opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I actually took an undergrad and grad school, um, business of sports media. And now I'm dating myself again. Social media was barely even spoken about. Like the main form of social media at that point was a blog, like how Mm -hmm. a blog is the new press release. Um, So it just blows my mind now that 
not even within the same decade, like five years later, what, what social media has become. Um, but to get back to your actual question, I didn't realize using social media for a business opportunity until I don't even remember exactly how I had followed this person. She was an alumni from Fordham as well. And she tweeted out that she was working for a company that was just hiring freelancers, 50 bucks for like an under a thousand word blog. And it was all about like career advice. And at that point I had been working full time for a year and a half. Um, I've always loved writing, but obviously when you're in grad school and have to write a thesis or a capstone, um, you hate writing for a little while afterwards. So I had this like, oh, let me get back into writing. So I just tweeted back at her saying, hey, also a fellow Fordham alum would love to know more about the opportunity. We emailed, I got the opportunity, realized how much I missed writing. And also at the same time realized that I could make side money from writing in addition to my full-time salary. And I'm one of those people where I will admit I spend a lot of money shopping. So it was good to have this extra side money available for that. Um, and all it was was from a single tweet. So I realized, oh, if I could get income just from tweeting at someone and that connecting with them, what else can I do with this? And then at that point, I want to say it was 2015 or maybe 2014 going into 2015. Okay. So as every Mets fan knows, Mets Twitter, that's kind of around the time it pretty much took off, especially mm -hmm. with the excitement of 2015. Um, so I just started tweeting about Mets games, live tweeting them, because I mean, I was watching them anyway. Um, started connecting with fans that way. And then um, someone from Rising Apple noticed that I was freelance writing in a different niche, but also tweeting about the Mets. And then after the 2015 season, recruited me on. So that's how I got my start at Rising Apple. That is awesome. And it just shows like the power of social media. And, and I appreciate your honesty. You can shop, do what you got to do. <laughs> like, just be happy. It doesn't matter. You're paying for it. it is what it is. And if you can make yeah. this side money, like there you go. It's practically free at that point. You were talking about the Mets anyway. And I just put it in a written form and you're good to go. So with that, mm -hmm. like, what was it like, you know, being able to finally kind of connect those two things that, you know, loving social media or three things, social media writing, and then eventually, you know, kind of the Mets and kind of making that into the fold, especially in 2016, which was also a very, uh, let's call it successful, but exciting uh, season for the Mets as well. It kind of just fell into my lap. And I know that's the second time I'm saying this, but if you had asked me in college when I, I mean, I took this couple of sports business classes, but even back then sports business wasn't huge. I think Fordham introduced the minor in the business school a couple of years after I graduated. Um, if you had asked me then if I would have somewhat of a career or work in sports, I would have laughed. I mean, I was trekking from the Bronx back to City Field and just enjoying it as a fan. Um, with one of my good friends who actually works at MLB now. So the two of us look at each other and we're like, wow, if you told us when we were 18 <laughs> doing this. <laughs> um, so it just, it was just the perfect storm. And that's why I can't advocate enough for the power of social media. Like, don't be afraid to send that tweet at someone. Don't be afraid to connect with people. The worst thing that can happen is that they say no. Um, if you want to break into sports, start small, start building up your portfolio. Even if you don't get paid at first, you'll have this portfolio of baseball or sports related articles that you can reference. Or what happened to me at Rising Apple was I just started, didn't, didn't get paid from the beginning. And then within three months, an editor position opened up, which was a paid position. 
So then I took over for that. That's awesome. And yeah, and then you start really getting paid, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> and really start being able to go get, get those shoes or whatever the heck you do enjoy to buy. Um, well, right now in quarantine, it's it's the wine, which is the most uh, important part of quarantine. <laughs> yes, that's very true. A couple, uh, couple boxes of fran- Franzia, I bet. No, I'm kidding. Of course. Oh, come um, on. <laughs> nothing wrong with slapping the bag. We all went to college. Um, but so so with that and understanding the, you know, kind of how this sports media space works, I'm always interested in kind of how, what, like freelancing to me is kind of like this foreign thing. It's just like, well, so do you work there? Do you not work there? Are you a 1099? I'm doing my taxes now. So that's why all these numbers <laughs> are kind of rocking around in my head. But so how does it work? Especially, you know, being an editor at an online publication sounds like a full-time job to me. How, like, how do these things, how does the freelance space in general work, knowing that you've been in a few different places, um, Rising Apple, as we said, you know, you've touched, you were, you're at SMY, uh, now writing for Mets, Mesmeri- Mets, bleh, Mesmerize, mm-hmm. I, I always get that one. What That's is okay. the freelance, how does the freelance space work and how do you kind of shift and move from these places? Can you write at multiple places at once? I'm always kind of curious. So it depends on the place. So there's not just one blanket answer for that. It depends on the place. Like obviously Sportsnet New York and owned by NBC had different rules than other places currently Mm -hmm. do. Um, So it all depends on the place. It all depends on if there's what's in the contract. It all depends on who you report to. Let's say you want to do something outside of the scope. You just ask permission most of the time and they say yes or no. Um, But it's really important when you are freelancing and if you do want to write for different um, entities and places to always just make sure that it's okay with whoever Mm -hmm. you're reporting to because you don't want to stab yourself in the foot. Yeah, yeah, don't want to step on uh, step on anyone else's toes, I'm sure either. So, with with your first opportunity with uh, Rising Apple and then moving on from there, what was like? How did you start to continue? How did you continue to develop more and more relationships in the space? So that way, again, you know, this is just something you can you just build on and build on and build on. How how much emphasis did you put on networking um, while starting these positions and and still continue to do? Networking is the most important thing you can do. And networking in today's day and age isn't just going to that alumni college event and talking to people. Networking happens now, and I can't stress this enough, everything. Waiting in line for coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. You don't know who's standing in front of you. They could work for a company you want to work for. They could know someone who works for that company you want to work for. Networking can happen on dating apps. Networking can happen on social media. It can happen in all these Facebook groups that have risen. Um, Networking is literally the most important thing you could do because you want to establish relationships with people. So that way, if they hear of an opportunity that they know you're good for, you're considered for it. So that's essentially what happened with me at SNY. They had noticed my stuff from Rising Apple. I had made connections with some of the people there. I slowly got my foot in the door at SNY because back then they used to do game recaps. So I was on the team for game recaps and writing a little color commentary for that while also obviously recapping the game. Um, And then another freelance position opened up there where I would just pitch articles and all op-eds. Any ideas I had, I would just pitch them, go for it. Um, So that's when I left Rising Apple. Um, SNY had some turnaround a year and a half ago, which most of us who were in that position doing that freelance, um, were no longer in that position. And that's, I took a little break and then that's when I moved on to Metsmerized. 
I love it. I think that's so impressive. So at SMY, you were writing game recaps. And First, yes. Games end at like, I don't know, 10, 30, 11 sometimes. So I mm-hmm. assume they have to get in very soon after, yes. right? And then mm-hmm. you're waking up at probably 6.30 the next day to go and do your real job, or not real job, yeah. your, your full-time job. Mm-hmm. How did you handle all of this at once? I mean, freelance writing and making sure it's, it's a very, you know, you have a job to do there, but then also, okay, you know, my full-time gig is really what pays, you know, that mortgage that we were talking about yeah. before and making sure you kind of, your time management skill was, you know, adequate or, mm-hmm. or Im- improved enough to make sure that you could do all these things without dropping the ball anywhere. Yep. Time management is a big one. Knowing what to prioritize and when is a big one. Um, Being able to work quickly, but efficiently and correctly is also a big one too. Um, There's a lot of factors. I also am a former camp counselor and anyone who has ever been a camp counselor knows how to run on little sleep. (laughs) So I do have that working for me as well. That's awesome. That is very important. And I'm assuming, so like, tell me, what is it like, you know, writing articles and having your name out there kind of synonymous with the Mets in certain people's minds, like something that you've loved and your parents have loved so much. And now you're able to write about, talk about this team that you grew up loving and other people enjoy your work with it. Like that's gotta be the coolest thing in the world. It really is. It honestly is. And just the, the connections I made from it and the feedback Um, Anyone who follows me on social media knows that I lost my father 10 years ago to multiple sclerosis and I lost my little brother back in October to muscular dystrophy and just the outpouring of love that I have gotten, um, especially in terms of my brother. I had Mets fans send flowers to my brother's wake in blue and orange and it was the most touching thing. Um, I opened up about my brother and his fandom on Metsmerize, and I normally don't read the comments to my articles, as I'm sure you can imagine, Um, but I read every single one of those comments under that one, and I was blown away. It was so comforting. People were doing prayer services for my brother at their respective churches. They were sending, they were sharing their own stories of how they were in similar circumstances, and it's just amazing. And just knowing that something I've written can have an impact on other people's lives like that, or even just tweeting out pictures of my brother had an impact on their life. Like it's, it's amazing. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, and I'm very happy to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. That's just so incredible. I mean, shout out to, to all your fans that, that again, they love you that much and they're, they're, they've been following you along and, and caring and, and paying attention. And it's, it is so touching when, you know, Twitter is looked at as like the worst place on planet earth. Yeah. I, I don't think it's ever, it's, it's the coolest because of all the information and everything comes from it. But then it's also the worst with all those awful human beings that just happen yeah. to only live there too. You don't find them as much mm-hmm. in real society, which is, that's a, that's another conversation, I guess. But <laughs> I mean, like that's, that has to be so just touching, as you said, like f- to see and, and feel all of that and get that from a group of people, many of which you've probably never talked to, many of which mm-hmm. you've never seen or even, you know, realized were following in some capacity. And now you're seeing them and the outpouring of love. I mean, that just has to be just such a, just a surreal feeling as well. It is. It really is. And I think the most surreal feeling for me was end of this past season when I was sitting in the press box. And I had people pointing and waving from the stands because they recognized me Uh and were excited to see me in there. And I think it's a real testament to the fact that I'm a real 
Mets fan, born and raised, and I worked my way here. So they kind of see themselves in a way in me because I can relate to them. I mean, I'm not cheering in the press box, but like, I kind of wish I could. I'm not crying when they turned the lights down at City Field after we got knocked out from that little race we were in towards the end of this past season. But there was a moment I was in there alone and I was like, damn it. Because <laughs> um, I had to write that article about mm-hmm. how we were officially out and there's no ounce of hope anymore. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. that, And I love that they feel that they can connect with me in that way. Yes. And you talk about hope. We as Mets fans, I mean, that's the currency we deal on pretty much every year. So <laughs> once all that, once that, even that last shred of hope is gone, it does become a little bit more difficult. Um, so you brought up an interesting point before as well, you know, being a, you know, being on Twitter, being a personality for lack of a better term, being a writer, being a journalist, being out there, how, how do you feel like it is for a woman in, in sports journalism? And I'm sure you get this question all the time. I feel mm-hmm. like it's almost obligatory. Um, so I apologize if you've answered it too much, but like, what has, what has your experience been, especially with the positives, like you said, with, with your father, with your brother, um, I'm sure, you know, some of the negatives, uh, you know, kind of outweigh that occasionally, but what have you seen in, in this field? And, and I guess from Mets fans specifically. Well, that is a big reason I don't read the comments to most of my articles, um, as you can imagine. If I had a dollar for everyone who uh, told me to go back into the kitchen and stop writing. Really? That's I'd so played out. Like, able to that's... pay off some of my mortgage. <laughs> I make the food. My girlfriend can't cook. Like, I'm the one who makes dinner. Like, I don't get, like, that's such a played out, boring. Mm-hmm. Like, and I creative. do love cooking. Don't get me wrong. That's, I love that's cooking. Fine. But... I can also love writing about the Mets. So I can do both and I'll happily do both. Um, I'm very lucky though, whereas I haven't received as much backlash as I've seen other people get. I do try and stay away from a lot of it. I try not to engage. I hate Twitter fights. I'm I'm better silence, um, ignorance. I feel like it's only a couple of times that I may have responded back, but for the most part, I do try to stay um, quiet in terms of that. I also try to use Twitter as a way to connect with other people and share some laughs and spread some hope rather than negativity. So I kind of hope that because I'm putting that into the world, that's for the most part what I get back. Um, I try not to get too angry or too um, emotional on social media. And I think that changes it as well for me. Um, but yeah, there's been a few things. It's ridiculous. I just don't understand it. I mean, you're, you're clearly very knowledgeable. You've been watching this team since birth, as you said, like, you know, what's going on. You've been to probably more games than most people that, you know, try and say these mean things to you. I just don't understand people and the mentality. And, you know, as I said before, like there's a lot, more terrible people on Twitter than you'll actually find in real life. I'm mm-hmm. sure none of these people would say that to your face. Um, and that's the even more frustrating part is, you know, if you're not going to, why, why do you have to say it online? And I just never understand it, but I, you know, I like your writing. I like what you've done and I, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Cause hopefully, um, you know, as you said, you enjoy it, which is the most important part. And as you said, putting that positivity out there, putting that good energy, those good vibes, like does attract like, and hopefully you mm-hmm. get much, much more of that than any of that negative BS from dumb people that are just very antiquated and can't, can't even come up with creative things to say. Getting back in the mm-hmm. kitchen, that was like, I don't know, it was like 30, 40 years ago. Where's, where's, I don't know, they could come up with at least something new, but whatever, that's something else. And so 
with that, you know, now you're working with Mesmerize. Um, mm-hmm. As you said, you took a little bit of time off and now, now yeah. you're working there. What are you doing right now, though, with uh, this global pandemic going on? <laughs> Baseball was supposed to start like over a month ago, it feels like at this point. Like, what exactly are you and the team doing and how are you trying to just, I guess, get by, for lack of a better term? That's a great question, especially prevalent. And I'm still um, in a little bit of mourning over the fact that this was supposed to be my uh, first opening day credentialed that I missed out on. Yeah, I had the opening day bid and I hope to still have it if there is an opening day this season, fingers crossed. We also had prepared a memorial outing for my brother where they were going to honor him on the field before the game and that's scheduled for mid-June. I don't think that's happening, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure it'll be postponed. Um, So, I mean, there's emotions there. There's emotions in terms of there not being a season because of that. But then on the flip side, there's emotions because it's my first season without my brother. But anyway, there's emotions for everyone right now. Yeah. So in terms of Metsmerize, what we're doing is we're trying to keep everyone entertained and full of content but not in a negative hate click click bait way Mm -hmm. so what i'm personally doing is i run the mesmerize roundtables now where every week we have a different question like what's your favorite ballpark food if you could be quarantined with any mets player who would you want to be quarantined with just like fun uplifting stuff like that and everyone gives an answer and i have that going live um weekly I'm trying to do some more interviews. I did an interview um, with Colin and his call me up Colin that'll be released shortly. Um, I just have to submit that actually, <laughs> things like that. So a lot of interviews, a lot of roundtables, a lot of historical looking back. I don't personally do those, but we have a few people who do. Um, we're just trying to come up with fresh content that people will still enjoy. And it is, it's, it's hard, I'm not going to lie. And I know it's hard for all the blogs out there and all the sports outlets. And we're all trying to find content and keep fans entertained because we're all they have right now. And I think it's important to remember, both for me personally and as part of Metsmerize, that these people come to us for their Sportsville right now, for their Metsville. And unfortunately, I mean, this past week, there has been an influx of Mets news with the whole J-Rod uh, purchasing and then maybe Steve Cohen being back and there has been quite a lot of news this week so at least we're getting our fill that way but I personally am trying to be funny and entertaining and I Mm -hmm. hope people take me as that way and not take me seriously half the time (laughs) I love that and yeah exactly it's this is the weirdest time in human history when it comes to sports I mean there's two days in the entire calendar that there aren't sports on at least the major four and it's Mm -hmm. the day before and after the all-star game and other yeah. than that, there's always something on. And now we're going on, you know, week six or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's just been weird and crazy. And I've gone back and watched all the old games I can at this point. And I'm probably going to go back and watch some more. But it's, uh, yeah. you know, I, I like how you said, you know, you're trying to spread that positivity. And that's something that's very, been very mm-hmm. clear and prevalent through this conversation is that's something that you're about. We're not trying to spread negativity. We're trying to be positive mm-hmm. and do what we can. Make people happy. Make people smile. That's the way we got to do it, right? What is being negative is not going to get us anywhere. So kind of just going to keep us in a place that doesn't doesn't really help uh you know positivity at least starts to spread smiles and that's always nice too so kudos on that and then so I guess you know what is your outlook for baseball this year like what do you think it's gonna look like what do you think's gonna happen are they gonna play in Arizona and Florida and we're gonna have these weird divisions like what what do you 100 games 
50 games. I'll take anything at this point. I will also take anything. Um, I would be very, very surprised if there's nothing at all. Because let's, let's keep in mind that baseball is a business. Mm-hmm. I mean, we hate to admit it. But baseball is a business. And with no baseball, that's so much money lost. And also, I want these people to get paid too. Mm-hmm. I want the players to get paid. I want the staff to get paid. I want the employees to get paid. So if they could safely figure something out, I'm all for it. But rushing things and risking everyone's life is obviously not the route to go. Um, I was very optimistic about a baseball season like a month ago. Yeah. As I'm sure many people were. And it's kind of tailored off since then as we're still in this um, crisis with no end in sight. But I think if they could safely figure something out and medical professionals are for it and scientists and all of the actual experts are for it and not the experts on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I think they should go for it because I think it's something we need right now. Baseball gives us hope in a time that we all need it. As we all know from Mike Piazza's post 9-11 home run, baseball is, it's our America's pastime. It's what we need right now. And I hope we can figure out a way to safely get it. I completely agree. And I'm really crossing my fingers. And then, so what about the Mets? What do you think, you know, obviously what was your outlook on the season before all this craziness went down? And I guess how, how much of that held over to, well, what if we only play, you know, 81 game schedule, you know, what does Jacob deGrom just completely crush it and win his third straight Cy Young? Does it count as much? Like, I don't know. I'm kind of curious. That's a question that I also have is that if there is this shortened season and, there is different rules, so mm. to say, what counts at the end of the season. Yeah. And that's this whole other aspect they need to figure out. Like, can you still win the Cy Young if you're playing a quarter of the games or playing against different teams or playing? How, how does that work? I mean, I don't know. I mean, is Ken DeGrom win the Cy Young again? Yeah. 1,000%. We all know that. We all know he could go three in a row. Um, is this break from baseball going to have an effect on him and every other pitcher? Of course it is. That's also true. Is Cinderard having Tommy John surgery going to affect the team, even if they only play a handful of games? Yes. So there's all of that to take into account, too. So I still want to believe and be positive that if there is a baseball season, the Mets can go out there and make it to whatever the playoff looks like this yeah. year um but it'll be difficult and the thing we know about the Mets is that they're the type of team especially these the past few years where when they get on a roll they're on a roll but when they're not on that roll mm-hmm. it's an issue and this lack of baseball at all is going to negatively impact them other teams too but especially them and starting to get their momentum back up again so We'll see. You, you got to believe. You got to believe is right. You got to believe. Michelle, this was awesome. I really appreciate it. The last question I have for you is what are some of your future goals, especially in the freelance writing space? Like what is something, is this something that, hey, maybe down the line, this could be your full-time gig. Maybe you're, <laughs> you're going to become the next beat writer. Like, do you have any specific goals <laughs> that you're looking at or, or is this something, you know, you're just going to ride the wave and, uh, you know, take it to shore when it goes to shore? I'm definitely riding the wave for right now, enjoying it and seeing where it leads to. In my mind, I didn't plan for any of this and I'm grateful that it happened. 
So let's just ride the wave a little longer and see what happens. You never know. Um, you never know. Michelle, this was awesome. I already forget how to say your last name. Let's see if I can do it. <laughs> nope, I got it. Could you say it one more time for me? Ayanu. Ayanu. Yep. I still don't see it. Michelle Ayanu, <laughs> freelance writer for Metsmerized, full-time marketing gig, trying to save the earth as well along the way. Really appreciate that one. Thanks so much for your time, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Michelle. As I said, super cool. She's very charismatic. She was a lot of fun to talk to, and I'm very grateful that I got the opportunity. Please make sure to follow Michelle on all of her socials, specifically Twitter. Everything is in the show notes. Please also make sure to check out some of her articles. I'll make sure to post that up there as well. And please make sure to give us a five-star review wherever you're listening to this, but especially if it's on iTunes or Apple. That would be super helpful. So thank you all so much for your time. See you anything we don't get more of, and I appreciate you giving me some of yours. So I hope you make it a wonderful day.